Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Welcome, everyone. It's another edition of Then and Now. I'm Brad Sham. And as these Then and Now conversations go, uh, sometimes we start with then and we edge toward now. Sometimes we start with now and we go back to then. And sometimes we overlap all over the place. But in a hot summer where sports fans in America mostly are, mostly, uh, are talking about pennant races and drafts and training camps, uh, the most important sporting announcement, it says here, uh, of the last couple of months has been the announcement of the World Cup coming to, to the United States in 2026 and of the selection of a number of the cities. And here comes Dan Hunt, the chairman of the uh, World Cup Dallas effort, the president of FC Dallas, uh, and uh, has come by all this quite naturally, which is what we're going to talk about. Thank you. Here, <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Great to be with you. I don't know, know about naturally, made through a lot of osmosis from my dad. That's osmosis. I mean, that's natural. <laughs> that, that osmosis is natural. So uh, I'm going to start with a full disclosure for the audience that um, I'm a big fan of the sport. And I personally believe the World Cup is the best sporting event in the world. And I believe that because it's the only true professional championship involving the players at the highest level on all different teams and leagues playing together for country. Nothing else has that. That's my opinion. I'm going to guess you might share some of that anyway. Yeah, look, it's a world championship in its truest form, right? And a lot of these guys are teammates of each other at big clubs across the world. We're so excited um, to have two U.S. national team players right now and Jesus Ferrer and Paul Ariola, who are both named MLS All-Stars today. Really exciting for them. But a lot of these guys are playing together, playing around, playing each other in the domestic leagues and whatever it is in England or France or Germany, United States, and then they're actually representing their country. Um, and, you know, American football was truly just our game, but global interest in it has really picked up. And NBA is still so predominantly uh, full of American players. But this is this brings everybody together. And you mentioned World Cup 2026. What's really cool about it is the new format. 48 teams in the tournament. I think it's going to do a better job than any of the past ones. Our current format's 32 teams are really representing the globe and, and being an unbelievable competition. And I think you're going to truly have some of those March Madness NCAA tournament type upsets. What would you, what do you point to, to friends who are not aficionados of the sport 
to tell them, no, you really got to understand this is the biggest deal in the world. Well, look, I mean, you look at certain countries, let's take Germany, let's take England, let's take Spain, some of France, some of Italy. Their starting rosters typically make what NFL starting quarterbacks make. And you've got 11 of those NFL starting quarterbacks on each of those rosters. And so that's when you say it's the greatest talents in the world um, that have come together. And, and, you know, and occasionally, you know, there'll be a few other countries with, with really meaningful stars that are of that caliber, a Patrick Mahomes type salary and, a, and almost a Patrick Mahomes type talent in they're playing in, you know, say they're, um, you know, play, they're playing for Croatia. Croatia was a great example, made the final of the last World Cup but had a couple players playing at gigantic clubs making Patrick Mahomes type money. And so that that it brings together all the greats and then also brings together those guys on, on those low salaries playing sometimes for smaller countries and the excitement and interest around it. So you're seeing the the greatest talents in the world representing all these different countries. This is, you know, Olympics is always something people talk about and compare compare stuff to. And I hey, Olympics are great world championships too. And when you have nations going to battle like this, and sometimes these nations and the history they have, look, let's be honest. The U.S.'s group in 2022 uh, in the World Cup has England. So a little bit of history there, U.S.-England. And also Iran is in our group um, too. And so- Nothing uh, controversial about that. Yeah, no, nothing controversial at all. So it's, it's not just on the field. There's great history and some Sometimes through the centuries with these countries. So this is a great opportunity to parenthetically insert that under normal conditions, we might be on the verge of or having just started World Cup 2022, but it's going to be into the late fall because uh, it's being played in Qatar, where it's uh, typically 6,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and uh, and you really can't do it at this time of year. You can barely do it at that time of year. Um as part of the international soccer community, how do you feel about that uh, time frame for this year? Look, I, it's the global game, and I'm glad that certain regions are getting to have the World Cup. It's magical. I, it's something, and I honestly thought, you know, we had it here in 1994, and Dallas had it, and we had one of the greatest games of all time at the Cotton Bowl, which was Brazil-Holland. Brazil wins it 3-2 to two on the way to winning the finals that year. And I didn't know, I was always hopeful that in my lifetime that we would see it again, but a lot of times people don't see a World Cup in their home country twice, twice in a lifetime. I'm glad that region is getting to experience it, have it. Um, obviously, you know, Qatar is a, a smaller nation. Um, but I will will say this. I learned this from all the FIFA officials um, that I was with recently. The air conditioning truly works in those outdoor stadiums. In fact, they pointed out that they so that all eight stadiums are brand new. And I guess they were all they're all outdoor stadiums and they were built with state-of-the-art air conditioning, which for us Air conditioning in an outdoor stadium is totally a weird idea, right? It totally yeah. is, and I'm glad that you brought that up. One of the things I like about this format is we can just hop around as long as I remember to bring us back to where, where I thought we were going to go. So in the middle of the summer, uh, as great as FC Dallas's stadium is, it's a little toasty. It, it, it's warm. It's warm like the, the walk-in to this office building it's was a little 100%. toasty. 100%. So what can you tell us about that technology that is going to be used in Qatar that you might be able to bring over here? Look, I you know you would have to build new stadiums to do this, but this is what I know about it uh, and what, what I was told. If the temperature on the field is 100 degrees, 
in your seat, it looks like the temperature is going to be right at about 70 degrees. Stop high. it. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's not kidding. I, you might actually, they said you might actually want to bring a, a jacket to the matches. Um, and they were dead serious about it. Uh, and so that's something I think for all fans going that they need to be aware of. And I like, this is great news. And I'm, I understand why we've got to have the games in, in November and December. It starts November 21st and ends December 18th, the finals. Um, I think that's right, December 18th. But I, the, the, it's made our year really hard here at FC Dallas. And I think it's made the international calendar really hard because, you know, we started in February and the, the regular season will end November 7, around November 7 for the champion, not regular season, the championship will be November 7th. And so that's a really condensed schedule. And you have international breaks in between where you're missing 10 days to two weeks. So it's great. I'm excited to share it. I'm ready, you know, for this to happen. I'm also ready for it to come here in 2026. Yeah, I'll bet. So, um, I, I I don't think I'll insult anybody by suggestion. And I that those games at the Cotton Bowl. How many of them do you go to? I, I went to some of those, and it was phenomenal. So I think I saw. Three in person or four in person. I was a ball boy for Spain, South Korea. Okay. Um, and as you know, my oh, I was at that game. Yeah. My dad was chairman of the Dallas bid with uh, the late Jim Graham, one of the all time great guys to be with. Um, Jim and Pamela are just wonderful people. Um, and so, and their kids and I are lifelong friends. But uh, it was something so unique for Dallas. I, and that tournament, I'm trying to remember how many games I went to. I've been to every World Cup since 1986. The most games attended was in Italy in 1990. I saw 22 games, and we drove to 21 of them as a family. And my father was the worst driver ever. You knew him forever, and he was terrible behind the wheel. I never drove with him. I did know him for a very long time. And uh, and frankly, that's one of the things that I enjoy about your success with FC Dallas and this bid, because like almost everyone, I think, that uh, that knew Lamar Hunt, I just admired him and respected him so much. He was uh, he was such a unique guy. Um, but now, now I want to go back to the then because I I'm I will go out on a limb and say that um, I'm not sure there was anyone in history more responsible for professional soccer getting a toehold in American sports than. Lamar Hunt. Am I on reasonable ground there? Look, you, you always... I know he's your dad, Yeah, I know. softball. I, you always want to be mindful of people's contributions, but I would argue that no person has shaped the sports landscape in this country um, more than what my father has done. I mean, and look, I and I have a lot of respect. There are so many people that have given so many to sports, but my dad, without taking the plunge in, in you know, really late 66 and then the tornado in 67 going, um, you know, soccer would be still 20 years behind what it is today um, if they hadn't taken that plunge, maybe 30 years. And then he, he took the plunge again for MLS in, in 1996, and he was, you know, ready to dive in. But you know, Phil Anschutz deserves a ton of credit. Robert Kraft, they, these guys, and all you have to do is go to the National Soccer Hall of Fame, which we're so proud to have in Frisco. And kudos to you for getting that here in Frisco, Texas. No, well, I, I appreciate it. But the, the reason Clark and I were so interested in doing it is there's so many people that have given so much to the game of soccer. They deserve to be recognized. And all that stuff was, you know, after 
you know, the, the Hall of Fame had gone out of business in upstate New York. It was in boxes in North Carolina, and that's not what their legacy legacy deserved. And there's so many people who are giving so much today, and there's so many people who will give in the future, and, and it's unimaginable what it would be. But, uh, you know, it's always an honor to hear, you know, and you, like I said, you, you and my dad were such good friends and had such a long relationship. But, you know, he gave a lot to the game. My, my first memory of being really cognizant of the World Cup was watching games in what would have, I believe it would have had to have been 74 at the Lamar Hunt owned Bronco Bowl. They were on big screen, and I, that's where I heard of Johan Cruyff and Franz Beckenbauer and uh, Pele, who I actually got to meet working in, in the NASL a few years later. But that was my first introduction to this unique majesty that is the World Cup. And I really think that that, that might have been your dad's first contribution, just having the games on at the Bronco Bowl for people and, to and see. And he was there in 74 at the World Cup, but, but you're right. And I, I have some fond memories of bowling at the Bronco Bowl. Mm -hmm. I was little. And also they had indoor archery. Mm -hmm. And they, <laughs> Clark and I were sitting there <laughs> shooting arrows. Um, not sure that'd be legal today. The insurance companies might look down upon then that. And then and now. now. Yeah. Everything changes. <laughs> so you've mentioned your brother Clark a couple of times, obviously the, the uh, president of the Kansas City Chiefs, and um, it, it would appear for people who don't know your family that you inherited your uh, love of all sports from your dad, and I wonder if uh, you had ever had any choice about being fans of and involved in soccer and other sports. Uh, you know, it's, it's the greatest blessing and the greatest teacher, right? And you know, as passionate as my dad was about sports, my mother is a super fan, my mother, Norma. Um, and, you know, a little known fact is we're still um, one of the largest minority shareholders of the Chicago Bulls. Mm -hmm. And my mother is the reason we invested. Um, in 1967, we bought 11.5% of the team. And a guy had written my father, Lamar, a letter and said, hey, I'm starting a, Chicago, or a basketball team in Chicago, an NBA franchise. Would you like to own 11.5%? My dad said, hell no, except in his own way, which was much Kaiser. Yeah, right. I appreciate the opportunity. My mother found out about it and she said, no, you have to do it. You have to. She was a big fan. My mom went to Richardson High School mm -hmm. where she was also a high school history teacher and worked in the Dallas Texans ticket office. Um, but she uh, she was a big fan of basketball and finally she convinced my dad to do it. And so for $67,000 in 1966, we bought 11 and a half. How about that? Yeah. And yeah. still own it. And still own it. Everybody else sold out pre-Jordan. And my dad kept his interest. And every year till Jordan came to the, the Bulls, they would write a letter and say, please send more money now or a telegraph or whatever it was. My dad always looked at my mom, see what she got me into. And then, you know, they draft Jordan and the rest is history. The checks were going the other way. <laughs> and did your mother then say you're welcome? Yeah, I, she said your, your reward for sticking with it was six world championships and the greatest player of all time. There you go. Um, but so, so for you and Clark especially, did it, was it just natural that you would become involved in especially professional sports? And what if one of you had wanted to be a, a, a priest or an insurance salesman or you know, it's funny is, and I can I laugh at thinking about my brother Clark as an insurance salesman. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a good, that's a good laugh. No, you, you know, my father always said, I don't care what you do as long as you're a productive member of society 
And he always said, I don't care where you go to college, but I want you to go to college. And what he really meant was you have to go to SMU and I hope you work in the family <laughs> business. Um, and, and so I, this is a funny story that almost nobody knows. I went, was sorting through my dad's stuff and he was a, a hoarder extraordinaire, which left us some really cool stuff that you, you would find. But I found my brother's uh, college scorecard visit. And my dad had always created scorecards for everything in life. You know, he, we'd have the family Olympics, we'd have this, we'd have that. And he'd always score it. And I found my brother, you know, the schools that he went to go visit and my dad scoring it. And oddly, SMU finished ahead of Stanford <laughs> and, and some other schools. And, and, and so that that was one of the treasures in the, in the pile. So when did you... What, what was your first foray into being involved in professional sports? And when did you know that this would be something you would love as much as your dad did? You know, and your I, mother. my father was so inclusive. I mean, I think back all those days of world championship tennis, Dallas tornado. I mean, the obvious is the sporting events going, seeing SMU play. I mean, we went and saw him play everything. So my brother plays soccer. Um, but you know, I was included in stuff. Now, children were supposed to be seen and not heard, right. and occasionally I opened my mouth. And I remember there was a meeting where Carl Peterson had agreed to become the new general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think I spoke up at the table, um, and I was lectured short, shortly thereafter the, the meeting. But, you know, the passion is what is so, so cool and so extraordinary. And I don't know that there was one single – aha moment about saying, I want to go do this, but you know, I enjoyed being part of it. After college, I worked for a technology firm. I was sadly there for 9-11. Um, actually, was there as the buildings were coming down. Um, and so I came back to Dallas. And it sort of, I wound my way through it. And, and in 2012, um, I was actually working on an oil and gas project in Vernon, Texas. Got a phone call said, our CEO is leaving us at FC Dallas. Come do this um, on an interim basis till we figure out what to do. And <clears throat> it took me being there for one week. And I said, they're going to have to pry this job from my cold, dead hands. I love it so much. I love the people I get to work with. And it became a full-time, you know, opportunity for me in January of 2014. And it's been great. It's great. And I, you know, the, maybe the best part of it all is to see the joy, the passion, but also being at FC Dallas every day, I get to think of those times with my dad. I mean, the connectivity and think back to the memories that we had together working on it and just the smile on my face. I think that's probably the greatest reward and to see the, the game grow. People always talk about, oh, do you have regrets in life? And I'm not a person that has a lot of regrets. You can't live like that because otherwise you're, you're thinking about the negative things in the past. My One of my big regrets, though, is my dad not being able to see where FC Dallas and MLS is today. Obviously, the Chiefs and the Super Bowl, those are, those are, those are big moments that I know he would enjoy. My mother is getting to be part of those and see, I see how much she enjoys them. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. So let's talk about um, the role that the World Cup has in the uh, evolution of professional soccer in America. I, I remember after 94 that um, there was a lot of conversation um, and then there were, and there was also maybe the Olympics in Los Angeles was also part of this and uh, but there was a lot of conversation about uh, American success and just having the World Cup for the first time would be the launching pad for making the sport what it is in the rest of the world. And I, before we started recording, I shared a story with uh, Dan in 1975 around Thanksgiving time. I was working in the front office doing public relations. I was about 13 years old at the time. Uh, don't do the math. And uh, I was the PR director of the Chicago Sting of the North American Soccer League. And I was at a league meeting of marketing and PR officials. And the then commissioner, Phil Woosnam, um, addressed the league executives and said this, the professional soccer, the North American Soccer League is going to be the next NFL. And of course it wasn't. And it, it seemed like it took that to help teach the people who who gave birth to MLS how to find a niche and grow the niche instead of trying to fill something bigger than they were but i've always felt dan that the if the united states would ever be competitive in a men's world cup the way they have been dominant in the women's world cup that soccer in the united states would take off because one thing American sports fans understand is a, a sense of pride of country. And if they can see American athletes, we've seen it in basketball, but that was our game. If they can see American athletes dominate on the world stage, that then it would be embraced. So where are we with all that? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many thoughts and all that. Let, let's take a step back. I mean, Dallas has been the biggest beneficiary of two World Cups. The 66 World Cup is what inspired my dad to bring the Dallas Tornado here. So that's what really kicked off the birth of professional soccer in this area. Obviously, the NASL goes out in about 83. <clears throat> and, you know, 
on the heels of the 94 World Cup MLS launches. It was supposed to be 95, but it when it came in 96. And so we have a unique DNA in Dallas. And also, if you look at what happened with all those tornado players that came, the, the great, you know, Kenny Coopers amongst, you know, many others that Charlie DeLong, you know, Bobby Moffitt. I mean, the list goes on and on, but they stayed and started youth clubs here or they coached- The late local, Mike Renshaw. Yeah, Mike Renshaw. They, and they coached high schools, coach youth clubs, and they built this into one of the richest talent markets in the, in the United States for development because the club soccer landscape is so competitive. And you look what's happened at FC Dallas now. When you watch the U.S. national team play, six or seven or eight of those players all have FC Dallas DNA, whether they came from our academy or we've traded for them or we drafted them. And that's really a testament to, I think, what we have going on, on at FC Dallas. And so we've been, you know, I mean, Dallas is, like I said, just a gigantic beneficiary of this. And, you know, the league has grown and grown. There have been dark times. My very first day on the job in November of 2001 at the family offices, and we were actually in Kansas City in the Chiefs offices, MLS went out of business. That was day one. We were sitting in a guy named Denny Thum's office. Um, he was a vice president at the Chiefs. And the league folded. Everybody hung up on each other. They said, we're hiring the bankruptcy attorneys. My brother Clark looked over at me and goes, congratulations, you've been hired and fired on the same day. <laughs> very special club, very elite special club. Um, but our dad got it rallied. He got got Philly and Shoots to go with him and Robert Kraft. And the three of them took, you know, 10 teams. I mean, our next league meeting was about around the, a table this size that we're sitting here. Small table, yeah, by the way. Yeah, small table, yeah. right, 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 right now. And so it's more like a game of battleship, um, <laughs> you, you know, and so to see where we've come and I'm so excited. And you have franchises now selling in excess of $300 million. I bet, I bet the next round is in excess of $400 million. And then you got to write a $400 million check for a stadium. You're, you're in this for a big number. Um, and that's exciting to see, but I don't know if you saw recently the Apple TV deal that MLS did. That's massive worldwide distribution, basically. Um, it'll be in multiple languages in the next couple of years. That's big. The money is great, but that you're going, you know, your partner in this is Apple. I mean, that that's just, you, there's not a lot you can say about that because between them and Amazon, those are really the big players in the new TV platform. So how do you get an Apple involved in MLS without the United States being a dominant soccer figure on the field. Yeah, but the dominance is coming. Um, this is the moment now, and, and we help you know christen that moment by developing these players that were sold to European clubs for big numbers. I mean, our most recent big transfer was Ricardo Pepe, national right. team player, $20 million to Augsburg. You recently saw two Americans um, go, they both, I think, went to Leeds for $27 million a piece or 27 million pounds a piece, um, although we're near parity in all of these currencies anyway. So I, I think it's fungible. But that is this group of players that has qualified us for the World Cup is so exciting, so dynamic. And in four years, the majority of them will be in their prime. And when we compete on the home soil, I think that's the moment where we have a legitimate chance to compete for a semifinal, a final. I know that's a that's a big statement, but I, I told a lot of people I didn't believe the U.S. was going to make it in 2018 to the World Cup. If you looked at our player pool, the disbursement was not right. You had a bunch of guys near 30 or older who, who you know, that's asking a lot to help, help you qualify. And you were relying on a young Christian Pulisic and some very young players who were on the wrong side of 20 at the time. And that's not a recipe for success. When you close your eyes and envision the U.S. playing 
again, my apologies to the women's team. You've already done this multiple times. Um, and and why it's not received on that level is a, is a whole separate conversation. When you close your eyes and envision the U.S. men's team playing in the quarterfinals, playing in the World Cup semifinals, the finals, um, how would you equate what that reaction will be like to a Super Bowl? I mean, I think it'll be transformative because we today are seeing so many young men say, I'm going to stick with soccer. I see a future. My dad, Lamar, always said the day the um, U.S. men's national team is made up of 23 NFL corners. Now rosters are 26. Mm -hmm. He said, mm -hmm. we'll be competing to win the World Cup. We have a whole lot of people, you know, on the uh, in that pool of 40 players that might wind up being, you know, professional athletes in other sports. And, you know, you mentioned this on the women's side. Hats off, the U.S. women's national team is arguably the greatest sports dynasty of all time. Of all time. Doesn't, matter, doesn't matter, men, women, what, whatever. I mean, four World Cups, a bunch of gold medals, a bunch of players who have been you know, voted the player best player in the world, some of the greatest goals ever scored. And this is all sort of in a window from 91 to today. There, I'm sorry, there, there's just nothing more successful um, than that dynasty and what those women have achieved. And I'm glad that the equal pay um, situation has been resolved in U.S. soccer. I think they did a great job, Cindy Parlo-Cohn, working through that. And that's exciting um, because, you know, and you see a transformation in the women's game, too. The athletes are changing, uh -huh. too, in the women's national team pool. And, you know, last night was a big night qual qualifying, I guess, for the World Cup. And so that was a, a big win against Mexico one nothing really exciting but we have been part of the greatest sports dynasty in this country and that's the u.s women's national team if the men can do what you're talking about it's just going to get more and more players the 2026 world cup everybody says what's going to be the biggest win of the 2026 world cup and the economics are unbelievable the 94 was the most financially successful world cup of all time 2026 will be the most financially successful. There, there's no, you can't even contest that because you look at the venues we're going to go play in like AT&T Stadium. But it will speed up the men's game by at least a decade in this country, maybe by two decades. Just by having it here. Just by having it because here. Because? Because young people are going to see the greatness on the field and say, I want to do that. I want to be a great soccer player. I see a career path for me. And also men's World Cups help the women's games. Women's World Cups help the men's game. So I think this will help the women's game too. That optimism about what the World Cup just being here will do for the growth of the professional game in this country was something that 30 years ago, the last time the, the World Cup was in the U.S. and Dallas. That's what they were hoping then. What's different? It's not what's different. I mean, it, you look where our league has come in 30 years. A lot of these traditional powerhouse leagues in Europe and teams have been around for over 100 years. Right. We've done this in 30 years. Can we imagine what the next 10 years is going to look like Actually, here? no, we can't. Yeah, no, we, no, we can't imagine. And, and because you're going to get the great athletes, the training has gotten so much better, the professional environment. I mean, I hate to say this, 1996, because I, I was graduating from high school, it's the dark ages of what soccer looks mm -hmm. like today in this country. And the effort that goes into developing these players and the attention that goes into it. How much does this effort for the future of these next 10 years depend on a really positive U.S. showing in Qatar in November? 
I think it's going to help, right? A really positive, and it is a difficult group. I mean, that we have. I mean, obviously the rivalry with England, and, and we got Wales from the playoff, which, which is an interesting one. And Iran. I mean, you know what happened back in the '98 World Cup was a, a, a shock there, and I, I do think that they they play some good soccer, and so it it's going to be difficult. But I I'm seeing something special and unique out of this group. And these players are taking such massive leaps forward, leap forward every, you know, two or three or six months. You're seeing these fundamental changes in what these players are able to do. And we continue to add players to our player pool. And frankly, I'm excited that they've gone to 26 players. I think that's going to be a big benefit. We've gone from 23 to 26 players in this World Cup. And I think, you know, those extra couple of players could really make a difference uh, for the U.S. national team. But yeah, it is going to set the tone. We have to have it be successful. We need to qualify for the elimination round games. That's probably the, for me, that's what, what really matters. Get out of the group. Get out of the group. You don't know who you'll face next. I mean, you, you fear. This is really a, a unique World Cup because I can't just say to you, oh, I think it's going to be so-and-so in the final. I, I mean, you, you kind of have to point to France. Again, defending champions, so many great players um, that they have, and you have players with some new fresh starts uh, for them. So I think they're probably one of the most dangerous. England, I think, is incredibly dangerous. Um, unfortunately, we're going to get to see them. And then you have the perennial powers that have existed, like a Brazil. I mean, they just constantly are producing players and, you know, Spain and country, countries like that. But <clears throat> I don't think there's a clear cut, you know, team where I'm going to say that's the one. And you have some teams aging out, too, um, which is really good for us because we have so many young players. If I'm not mistaken, um, we're waiting for the designation of where the final and the semifinals will be. Is that right? We're still waiting for that? For World Cup 2026. For 26. We, we, we are. Hopefully, we're going to know no later than the middle of next year. Um, FIFA is consumed now with uh, the World Cup happening yeah, um, in 22, and they want to get past that. And let's be honest, we know the finals in late December. Then you'll have the holidays. And I think everybody wants a little bit of time off, and they're going to continue to go through bid documents but you know and I, it's been my stated goal i want the finals of the world cup to be played here in dallas at at&t right. stadium okay so tell me i'm wrong i predict that those finals will be in los angeles because sofi is the new right now it's the new toy and the thing that at&t stadium did that sofi i believe has copied i mean we are talking about professional football uh the revenue streams are unbelievable look that's what money is why the games are in cutter uh, the revenue streams at AT&T Stadium are incredible. That's that's why they built. That's why they built it. I don't know if you've met the fellow. Who, I think you have who uh, runs the place. <laughs> He's pretty good at finding money, and uh, and so the same thing at SoFi. I mean, the same thing is true of those folks. So I'll be surprised if the final's not in LA. But because and maybe I'm wrong, but because the the revenue streams are so lucrative at AT&T Stadium, I'm really kind of hopeful to at least see a semifinal or, or quarterfinal here. How about you? Look, it, it would be a massive honor, right, to get a semifinal. <clears throat> Those things are, are so special and so unique. And 
a lot of the time once in a lifetime opportunities. Um, but here's what I would tell you about it. AT&T Stadium is one of the greatest economic drivers of any sports venue in the entire world. And the genius design of it is the 3 million square feet um, that make it the, arguably the largest stadium in the entire world. And it's not just an in-seat experience. The experience that you can have outside the seats. And, you know, I've only been to one football game there, one NFL game when the Chiefs played played there. Um, so I don't, I don't spend a lot of time, but I've seen bowl games. I've seen boxing. It is a great economic driver and here's going to be the big difference between AT&T Stadium and SoFi. AT&T Stadium by sort of back of the envelope math will probably have 22,000 guests per game more than SoFi. Um, if you, hey, the Super Bowl just happened. I saw the stated attendance which was 70,800 for the Super Bowl. 90 here. Uh, yeah, I mean that AT&T Stadium can do a hundred, um, but once you start, you know, raising, we're, we're all going to have to do something with the field. Every stadium is going to have to make major changes. Arrowhead got a World Cup or was selected. Also, my brother Clark's chairman of that. We're going to have to knock out part of a wall on, on the lower seating bowl to make it work. AT&T Stadium, we're going to raise the field. We're waiting for the exact specifics. SoFi is going to have to raise the field also. And so they're going to be seat kills in all of these stadiums. Would that be a permanent move or a temporary? Temporary in all of these stadiums. In all of these stadiums. Um, will money decide ultimately? Look, you've, you've dealt with FIFA. You've been in these boardrooms. Will money be the ultimate decider for where the final and the semifinals go? No, money will not be the ultimate decider. I think they're looking at so many things, the fans' experience, location, transportation. There are a lot of things that go into this. I mean, they spend a lot of time on human rights plans, which was sort of a new add-on after 2018 and 2022 World Cup bids. Um, we have put together an amazing bid. The group that, we, that has come together in Dallas, and you're right, the Jones family, this is the good good fortune is we have such a great relationship with them. I've been working with you know Jerry and Stephen on this, and in fact, their whole family. Um, and it's great. You know, Charlotte is totally engaged in this too. And, you know, they are unbelievable salespeople. Um, they really are. And, and the passion that Jerry has had for this has been really amazing to me. Uh, he is as engaged as I've ever seen him on anything that's not Cowboys related. Um, he wants the final badly in Dallas. And so he's been working diligently. He's been to a bunch of our meetings. It's been great to have him part of this, uh, part of the sales process. And so money will be a major part of this. But I think they're looking at the overall experience, and it's hard to beat what we can deliver here. And you know, a person who doesn't get enough credit in all of this is Monica Paul with the City of Dallas with the Sports Commission. There's a reason why Dallas has all these amazing events, Final Fours and All Star Games and Super Bowls and you know WWE and all, all those act activities because Monica Paul brings all the communities together, brings the state together, brings the local host committees together, the sports teams together to make these happen. And she's a person who doesn't get enough credit for this. I chuckled at when Jerry was quoted. I think it was at the announcement that AT&T Stadium was uh, going to be one of the venues about talking about how, well, I'm just, I'm kind of realizing that this, this soccer stuff is a pretty, is a pretty, pretty big deal. What, what do you think got his attention? You know, well, they've had, and by the way, I'm asking about that because as the operator of the building, he, he's a, he becomes a major player in the, in the, uh, the whole equation. And when that family is on board, the way the Hunt family is on board, then the, the it seems to me that the whole operation becomes a little more dynamic. 
Yeah, well, look, you've got Chad Estes there too, Delaney Foley. I mean, you've got so many people that are involved in all these great events. Um, you know, they've had Gold Cup matches. There's been other soccer activities there. And so they've seen the passion. The Brazilian national team um, has, has played there. Mexico's played there a bunch. The Mex Tour has been going on you know, regularly there. So they've had these games all the time. And they see how you know, nuts this city is for soccer and the passion for it. Um, I just think, you know, Jerry, Jerry uh, he dreams big and he would tell you that um, sometimes, you know, I've heard Steven say he dreams maybe too big, um, but, you know, credit to what he's been able to achieve. And he sees, uh, and, you know, they're traditional football people, um, but he sees the World Cup and the World Cup final at that level of what the Super Bowl is or bigger. So in terms of being a dreamer, I didn't know I was going to ask you this, but that's why I actually try to listen. Um, in terms of being a dreamer, besides personality, what are the big differences between Jerry Jones and Lamar Hunt? Oh, they were both dreamers. My father, the, the vision and the ideas, um, and you know, they, they, the, what's so different is, is the sales styles though. That, that would be the, if people always ask me, I mean, both astute businessmen, both hall of fame careers, a lot of hall of fames, um, but the sales style is different. Jerry is, does a great job of painting something in a big picture. My father, um, in his humble nature and, and the, the way he would connect with people and he'd show that, you know, he was a teammate in the sales process with you. And that's, that's really, I think the difference, they both were dreamers, but they and able to sell their ideas. They just did it in a little bit of a different fashion. Well, they did it in a bit, a lot different fashion. <laughs> uh, apropos of absolutely nothing. Did you, besides flying private, did you ever see your father fly first class? You know what? He he did later. My dad didn't really fly privately a lot I, early before I was born. And then there was a, a big period where, you know, he, he, you know, he was happy to go and he would fly first class when uh, my mom would travel later in life. But there was a, a big stretch where and when he would fly by himself, he would sit in the very back of the airplane. But there are, there were some times that uh, I caught my dad where he would take a nap. He, he needed to rest, especially when his health was declining. But he would take the pillowcase off the pillow on the airplane and put it over his head and because and he would say oh dan the the fastest place where heat leaves your head or if through your body is through your head you can get hyperthermia you know that way or whatever <laughs> i want to keep my head warm and so he would have a pillowcase pulled over to his ears across his eyes so that he could then it was dark he was warm he was happy and he would go to sleep like that and people would just sit there and look at him i i will i don't remember what year it was but I'll never forget going to Kansas City to uh, broadcast a, an FC Dallas, Kansas City game. And, um, and I used my stickers to upgrade, even on a short flight, use my stickers. So I'm sitting in my first class seat and here comes Lamar Hunt with his arms full of blueprints and things to study, walking past me. Hey, Brad, how you doing? Oh, good, Lamar. How are you? And he went going back. I thought this picture is all wrong. Something is very wrong. But to me, it spoke to a lot of the things that you're talking about, about your dad. He was, he was so incredibly humble. 
And maybe that's how he accomplished so many of these things. Oh, humble, kind, gentle. My father was such a, a gentle person, a gentle spirit, a gentle soul, and and the ability for people to relate. And he, he, I, I tell this story, he didn't have a cell phone, and he would call people in Kansas City after dinner, and he would always start with this, you know, hi, Carl, it, it's Lamar. Um, I'm sorry if I'm bothering you too late. If it's an inconvenience, I will call you back tomorrow. And, and nobody ever, <laughs> nobody, nobody ever yeah, turned Lamar, I'm a little busy. Can, yeah. you, can we do this later? Uh, all right, let's put a bow on this by talking about uh, FC Dallas and MLS because the uh, ultimate goal for, for people who are real soccer devotees is to see MLS get a footing like the other professional sports leagues that we follow. And again, I think that happens when the U.S. men's team has international success on a World Cup level. But since you became involved with FC Dallas eight years ago, where do you judge the arc of progress, growth of the league uh, and and um, as well as your club, and where do you see it? What's the what are the most attainable increases that lay out in front of you? Yeah, well, look, this will be our most successful year from an attendance standpoint. You, I can already say that, and you're seeing it. And we're having big, huge crowds, and. Look, when we built in Frisco, we knew we were early. Something my dad said to Clark and I before he passed away was, hey, guys, we were way early, um, but they were committed to us, and I put you guys in the right spot, and this will be incredibly successful in the future. And now you see Frisco and Prosper and Salina and all these communities that are starting to really fill in, and we're feeling that. Um, now I think you have the largest <clears throat> local engagement that we've seen, interest. You have – you know, players here who are superstars. I think they're regarded as such, especially because they're playing so well for the national team too. So I think we're still in the early stages of something great that we're, we're achieving here and we'll continue to improve our stadium. That's something that we need to do. And we're also looking at what overall developments look like around the stadium. And I think that will all play hand in hand in creating this amazing experience. MLS, my father said, I'll be gone, but in 50 years, it'll be like the NFL. And we're starting to see those pillars. We talked about the Apple TV deal. So you're starting to see major sponsorship and ticket revenue that's really kicking up. When did your dad say that? This was in 2006. Okay. So he said in 50 years. Okay. So, so – he went for 2056. Right, he, okay. he was a visionary. No, no, <laughs> long-term Absolutely. I'm struck that because to, to go back to the story that I mentioned earlier, those were kind of the words that Phil Woosnam used when he was the commissioner of the NASL in the 70s. So now we've got 30 years of difference. And so their, their, their thinking was grand. But when your dad said it, he had a little something of accomplishment for MLS already to, for him to be able to say that. Yeah, one, and here's a, an, another one of these pillars. We are now seeing MLS players transferred, not at the prices that the market would, would dictate in Europe, but we're starting to close that gap. And that is a massive revenue source mm -hmm. for those clubs because, you know, 
we're thrilled that Patrick Mahomes is with, with the Chiefs for, for a very long time, and he's just an awesome person, awesome player. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes, if, you know, he was to leave or another football player, Dak, was to leave Dallas, you're trading draft picks and a lot of them. These soccer players now are leaving for $10 million, $15 million, $20 million, and we start to achieve those numbers in Europe. You're getting shots in the arm of 30 or 40 or $50 million when we one day achieve parity in what's happening in Europe. That's going to cause these businesses to explode. Those are resources that are going to be reinvested in. I mean, you you don't get a, a lot of the time in the NFL a check for fifty million dollars or forty million dollars for 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 a player. That just doesn't happen, and that will be transformative. That that's when MLS will truly close the gap on the NFL. Before the internet drove so much of interaction of media with fans. Every professional soccer executive I ever knew was, in almost any city, was frustrated to be kind about what they all perceived to be the lack of media attention compared to the other sports and teams in their city. Not just here. It's been everywhere. Um, believing what you believe about what's um, 40 years now down the road, do you share in any of that frustration ever? Well, look, you always want all the attention. Um, you know, we're in it to win it, right? And if you're not, you're clearly in the wrong job. Um, this is a tough market. I mean, let, let's be honest. I mean, you, the Cowboys are obviously such a big brand and, you know, Mavericks and Stars and Rangers. And, you know, you could go on and on and on. And you have all the local universities that are here and around the state of Texas. This is a crowded landscape. But I think we're carving more and more of that towards FC Dallas and soccer. And if our national team has success with FC Dallas players, that does nothing but raise the stature. But I think we we want that for every single market. And as the game grows, again, you you talked about this, you know, many times throughout this conversation. The U.S. doing well or winning a World Cup will change all of that media attention because the U.S. women's national team gets a ton of it, right. and they are the greatest sports dynasty of all time. So if that can happen for the men, and I don't know that the men's game will allow for a dynasty like that right. to be created, but you, we do something special on the, the men's side in the World Cup, and that 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 slice of the pie keeps getting larger and larger. From the from the standpoint of Dallas Fort Worth sports, uh, and maybe you have to uh, be of a certain age to have experienced it uh, at all. But when you see, when you listeners see and feel what the World Cup in your community feels like. You'll get it if you don't get it now. Dan Hunt, thanks for your time. Appreciate it very much. Thanks so much. This was a blast. This is Then and Now. I'm Brad Sham. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 